Lego is one of the biggest toy brands in history, so it makes sense that the plastic bricks would eventually make their way into the video game scene. Their first attempts may have created some cult classics like Lego Island and Lego Racers, but it wasn't until 2005 when they teamed up with LucasArts and developer Traveler's Tales that they became a dominant force in the world of video games. Over the past 17 years, we've seen Lego takes on Harry Potter, Batman, Indiana Jones, The Avengers, Lord of the Rings, Jurassic Park, and many more. But today, we're talking about a return to their roots. Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga. Is this the next step in Lego video games? Or is it just another licensed cash grab trying to drain us of every last stud? I'm Jordan, and here to help me answer that question are my two brothers. I'm Jason. And I'm Jackson. Let's get into it. Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga. We got nine whole movies we got to get into. But before we do any of that, let's take a step back and get into our personal biases about the Lego video games. Jackson, what were your first experiences with the Lego games? It's either um, the original Lego Star Wars or lego batman not sure which one but ever since then i have loved these games i think i've played every single one of the licensed games maybe i I, no i never played the incredibles game or the uh dc supervillains one but other than that i played all of them including jurassic park which i always forget exists for some reason I've just had it in my head these games are older than they are, which wouldn't make any sense because Lego Star Wars couldn't have came out before 2005 because that's when Episode 3 came out. But for some reason, I keep wanting to put it back in like 2001 or 2002, and like that's before Jackson's time. So You're thinking of but... Galador, Defenders of the Outer Dimension. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the most important licensed Lego game that I have an intimate connection to and I certainly didn't learn about for the first time today research- researching this podcast. <laughs> I'm definitely going to have to go back and give Galador some time. I want to learn all about it. When I Googled it, I saw it's actually a game that has like some speedrunners involved with it. So, you know, got to keep an eye out. Wow. That means it's either a really good game or a really bad game. (laughs) I can only assume the second one because this is a licensed video video game that is a TV show tie-in that was only in Canada for one year. That's how you know it's the good stuff. But aside from the masterpiece that is Galador, Jason, what are your experience or first experiences with Lego games? I mean, I think that the first Lego game I played was probably Lego Racers, uh, like back on the original PlayStation or maybe the N64. can't remember. I think when anybody goes back and they think about, you know, Lego games, where they started, it, it's almost always Lego Star Wars, the original. I remember we put a lot of time into that. Absolutely. And, like, for my experiences, I did, you know, I, I played all the way back to Lego Island in, like, 99 or whatever on, on PC. But, like, I didn't, you know, while I remember certain things about the Lego Island game, Lego Star Wars was not that long after. But I feel like I remember everything about that game, <laughs> like, level by level. And I think it's because... One, it was really novel to have an entire game that was basically satire, but still, like, within the licensed property itself, because it's very much making fun of Star Wars, but in a very endearing way. And that wasn't something you were seeing a ton of investment in. Certainly not enough investment to make an entire video game about it. But also, it was just a really good game. Like, even if it wasn't some weird licensed thing about, you know, movies I liked, it was still, like, just kind of fun to go in and break everything and run through these, you know, big puzzle-filled levels. (laughs) And, like, I just have so many fond memories of LEGO Star Wars, and it's partially because, like, you know, I played it with the two of you, but also just, it's it's a good game. (laughs) 
And it gave me enough of a bias that I still played Lego games. I mean, I think the most recent one I played was within the last several years, or like the mo most recent new one was in the last several years. So like, I had a lot of goodwill to give to the series, especially considering how bad some of the recent Lego games are. Something really cool about Lego Star Wars is that they really kind of nailed the formula pretty early on. Sure. Because yeah. it, it really does feel like the new Lego Star Wars is, it feels just like a continuation, like a modernization, Absolutely. I guess I would say. Yeah. Because like, it's still kind of based around the same level design and puzzle design and like being friendly for both kids and adults. But now it's not as tedious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it does feel like the biggest change that they've made to Lego games since the original Lego Star Wars. And I, I just played it a few months ago with Abby and it holds up like it. It does feel like the only big thing they've changed is making things less tedious. <laughs> Which I think isn't even just something they've changed since the original LEGO Star Wars. It's also something they've changed from recent LEGO games in general. I think it might be more useful than talking about what the first LEGO game we played was. Uh, is what the most recent LEGO game we played was. <laughs> yeah, that, that's probably fair. About two months ago, I played through LEGO Marvel Super Heroes. It's the first time I've played it since its release in like 2012 or something to that effect. And, I, I mean, I really enjoyed it. Like, it has this huge problem of the levels are about three times as long as they feel like they should be. But otherwise, like, it was cool to just play as the superheroes, run around, destroy stuff, fight some big bad guys. Uh, I did hit a game-breaking bug. It didn't prevent me from finishing the story, but it prevented me from finishing the game 100%. So I dropped it very quickly when I hit that point. But I was really enjoying it for, I mean, I probably put 20 hours into it over the course of a couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think the last like one that I really played because I wanted to was probably Lego Batman 2, like all the way back in 2012. And I, I've played a couple of the other ones because Jackson bought them. I think the last one that I ever sat down and played for longer than like an hour or so was Marvel's Avengers. And I hated it. <laughs> like I, <laughs> Lego Marvel's Avengers was not fun at all to me. I want to say that's the last one that I like really like was into. Either that or Lego Batman 3 because those came out around the same time. Like I was like... 13 or so so like i enjoyed playing it but like even then it felt kind of tedious and just too long <laughs> when lego marvel superheroes 2 came out in 2017 i had not i don't think i'd played a lego game since either uh, lego avengers or lego batman 3 and like by the third level i was already like yeah this is just annoying to the point where it's not fun and then i never played it until like summer last year <laughs> it kind of felt like they were just getting bigger and bigger uh and not in like a good way where there's plenty of content uh, more like a bloated way yeah where there's just they too were... much garbage kind of thrown in at that point right like there's you know 250 or whatever gold bricks to find but most of them are just like they're really obvious quote-unquote puzzles where it's like, oh, there's a steel door, so I need to use explosives to get through it. And it's like, oh, there's a gold container, so I need to use a laser to burn through that. And oh, there's a you know a door that I need to be able to turn invisible to go through. Like, like it's just this super obvious, just bring the you know right three characters and it fixes itself type of problems. And they do that times 100. <laughs> the good news is LEGO Star Wars has zero of that. <laughs> yeah. I guess 11 minutes in probably is a good time to start talking about the game we're talking about. <laughs> I, yeah. I do have to talk a little about the previous games before getting one of my favorite things about uh, the new LEGO Star Wars. Like, as Jordan mentioned earlier, all the recent LEGO games have been way too long. Like, the levels are like basically split up into three parts and take about 30 minutes to finish the whole level. While in Skywalker Saga... You could finish an entire movie in one sitting. That's six levels. We did that on the stream, and it did not feel like... I think it only took about two hours to beat the entirety of episode three. And that, was, that wasn't that was even, like, rushing it, necessarily. No, not at all. 
I think that part of that was when when they started doing the licensed stuff with the voice acting, it really felt like they needed to get through everything that was in the movies. So sure. there's a lot of tedious stuff, like just long cutscenes or overly extended levels where nothing really happens. And a lot of stuff that just, just doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. And something that this game does really well is it's Star Wars. It's like everybody knows Star Wars or, yeah. you know, like it just kind of expects you to know a little bit about Star Wars. And it's just like, all right, well, we're just going to cover the interesting stuff. We're not going to waste yeah. your time with, you know, 20 minutes in the uh, the CIS hangar at the beginning of episode <laughs> one. They're like, we're just going to get yeah, right. straight into it. Like, you're just going to leave. You're going to go to Naboo. Yeah, which yeah. brings me to a very good example. Like that section in the hangar. At the episode, at the beginning of episode one, in the original Lego Star Wars, that was its own full level. While in this, that all takes place in the open world. So, like, you're only there for like five-ish minutes, unless you're going around trying to destroy everything to get studs, and like, you're not in a mission, so you're not trying to worry about true Jedi or anything. So it doesn't really matter then either, unless you just want studs. So like. I think stuff like that's a big improvement because there's a lot of stuff for, throughout the entire game like that. Let, let's talk a little bit about that that difference between the levels and the open world because if you're of the you know if you're the type that hasn't really played these games since the original Lego Star Wars, that's kind of new because there wasn't an open world in the first several Lego games. But basically, you had you know a hub world. And like Lego Star Wars, you had like a door for each movie, and then in each of those doors, you had a door for each level, and like that was as conjoined as as the levels were. In this, the things are much more woven together in terms of the actual space they're taking place in. So like you actually have to go from point A to point B if you know one scene happens on one planet and then another on another planet, you have to fly to that planet and play the level there. That sounds tedious, but it's actually really cool because it gives you a tremendous amount of space to explore, both literal space and just places to go on the planets. They still have, like, the characters do dialogue while you're exploring the open world sometimes. Yeah. Instead of just having it confined to cutscenes. So it kind of really right. incentivizes you to explore around and, you know, try to make some money, f solve some puzzles. Yeah. Instead of just kind of rushing from plot point to plot point. Right. And it also feels a lot more in sync with the movies because the older games were jumping basically from one action point, trying to condense everything that happened in between into like a one minute cutscene and then another action scene where this lets you play out more, but actually like control it, not just watch it. The fact that it still has the, you know, very linear levels, I think is still essential for these games to work the way they do. But the fact that so much of it is about just getting to explore the world of Star Wars, I think is really what elevates this game so far above the rest of the Lego game so far. Because there have been others with open worlds, but there have been none on this scale. The closest I think they've had is really like maybe Lego City Undercover, which even this is still a good bit different from that. The actual gameplay is very, very similar. There, it's a third-person action game. You run around these levels. You can break basically everything. You're swinging lightsabers and shooting guns. But they've actually done quite a bit to expand upon what it previously was. For example, if you're playing as a Jedi now, you have a lot more options, both with the Force and with your lightsaber. And it's not always the most in-depth stuff. But at least you have a lot more control. Like, there are now combos, and there are, like, instead of just, you know, an item interacting with the Force in one set way, sometimes you can pick up and move things, or pick up and carry, and then throw them. And you can push people around, or pull them towards you, or whatever. Like, there's just a lot more that can be done. Yeah, I mean, I, I would probably go as far to say as excluding the Force Unleashed. This is probably, like, the game that gives you the most control over the force and how you're fighting with your lightsaber. Because like at any point during a combo or not during a combo, you could 
stop, pick up an item from the background, and throw it at an enemy, or if you're playing as a Sith character fighting droids, you can just pick them up and throw them at other enemies and take them out. Like, it it definitely kind of, uh, it really seals the deal. <laughs> In terms of, like, <laughs> it really makes you what you would expect. feel like a Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like, you know, we want to avoid saying that at this point. All right? (laughs) (laughs) But but even still, it's not just the, you know, force lightsaber stuff. I mean, they've even done a lot to really improve upon gunplay as well. Because previously, it was just you looked in a direction and pressed X, and it would just kind of shoot at whatever the closest enemy or breakable object or whatever. Whereas now, you actually hold a trigger, and you go into, like, an over-the-shoulder aiming view like you do in games like Ratchet and Clank, for example, and you have free aiming and just drastically more control over what you're doing in the fight. And I think that that made it to where I was playing with people with playing as people with guns almost as much as Jedi, even you know when there were only like two characters in the scene or whatever. Like in the old games, I was playing as a Jedi whenever I possibly could. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I it's definitely neat. And, like, it's more fun, of course, than just kind of standing back and pressing the X button or the square button or whatever. Uh, It's not really necessary, though. It it doesn't feel like enemies are ever really a big threat to you. Um, The default settings have your health regenerate automatically. So you're very rarely in any danger of dying. It, it, to me, even, because I turned off the setting that had health regen automatically, and it still felt like the only time I would die was either during boss battles or when I accidentally set off explosives. So, like, having the the combat, uh, you know, especially with guns, be kind of expanded on in this way is, like, interesting, but none of the enemies are going to hit you. <laughs> and even if they do, yeah. it doesn't do very much damage. And pretty early on, you're going to be running around with a, a second or third health bar. It, right. It just doesn't feel that necessary. I also generally kind of feel like it's usually faster to just go up and melee enemies because uh, you can air combo now. And whenever you're doing an air combo, the enemies can't block it. So you can you can juggle enemies like Devil May Cry style. And that's wild. Yeah, yeah. I I. It is a really fun combat system, I, I have to say, but it feels a little wasted on such low difficulty stuff, which I get it's a kid's game at the end of the day. like I kind of wish but there also, were more like, options to make it more difficult. I think right. that would help a like, lot. Like it's a kid's game, so it doesn't need to be difficult, but it's also very complex for it to not be difficult, so... It's like they wanted to appeal to two crowds, but they didn't actually want them to meet in the middle at all. I will say one aspect of the combat that I think is totally unnecessary is the cover system. Because, like you were talking about, you regenerate health, and you can quadruple your health by just investing points in your skill trees. Which, there are skill trees now, y'all, in this LEGO game. But it's also like, the cover doesn't do much, and enemies are just inherently bad shots. So... I don't really know why they bothered to put in cover. Maybe, like, I get, like, cover behind corners, but I don't know why there are, like, barriers you can crouch behind in the middle of, like, open areas. That just feels unnecessary. Yeah. And, like, they've made it to where the the barriers can get destroyed and you can rebuild them. It just didn't ever feel necessary. It, It was a very tactical decision that... You're never in a situation where it comes up. So that that pretty well covers the on-land combat. But there's a whole other piece here. Because you're no longer just flying on rails or in fixed spaces or whatever. In this game, you can just get in a ship and take off. I mean, it's not quite that fluid. But, you know, you can just fly around. What what do you guys think of the the space stuff in the game? I feel like it's just very bland like i feel like there's just not much to the space stuff because there's there's the the kyber comets which are really easy to destroy and find and give you five kyber bricks for each one you destroy the item you use for upgrading the skill tree yeah there's races which 
I mean, they're they're races. They're in a. I like some of know, those. Yeah, I they're they're all right. Nothing too special or anything there. And then there's the space battles, which is the biggest disappointment because something about those just feel off. I don't really know what it is. They just don't feel right. I w- I will say there was definitely a bit of false advertising with the space battles. They made it seem like Star Destroyers might randomly appear on the map and you'd have to go take them out. And from my experience, it's just anytime you're in space, there's a big red sphere somewhere out there. And it's like, well, if you fly into the sphere, you'll be in space combat (laughs) and you can fight some enemies. I mean, if you're expecting something on the level of, you know, uh, last year or was it 2020s squadrons? It's nothing like that. But I, I do think it's like a good way to kind of break up the monotony. It gives you something interesting to do other than just... I was hoping it'd be pretty similar to the original Battlefront 2 system, where it's like, you know, you have like two ships from different factions fighting each other, and you can fight outside the ships uh, against like TIE fighters and stuff. You can destroy parts of the ship, or you can go inside of the ship and destroy stuff there. I, I will say there is one thing I really like, which is it's not the, the free roam space combat. There are a few missions in the game. They seem to be mostly in the sequel trilogy. I think there are two or three of them in the sequel trilogy where you're fighting like a big capital ship. There's also one in like episode one, I think, where you're taking out the uh, Trade Federation flagship. But, you know, they're smaller maps and you have like more obvious objectives and they feel more dangerous because there's a lot more stuff shooting at you i think those are a lot more fun there's a lot less time spent just looking at the markers on your screen and trying to uh rotate your ship until you can see an enemy because <laughs> i i found out for the most part the quickest way to get through any of the uh the space combat is just to stop your ship in place and just kind of rotate around, around until you can find yeah. enemies it's basically be a yeah. turret <laughs> now i will say i definitely agree with jackson that i don't think there's enough variety in what you're doing in space but i will say i was pleasantly surprised at how good the flying feels because that's something that games where even if flying is like their whole focus doesn't always get right but like I think the way the ships control and the way that they, you know, the way you navigate is actually pretty good. I do wish there was a little bit more, like, I I think part of the problem, Jackson, is Battlefront 2's flight was incredible. And that was 17 years ago. (laughs) So, like... That's still the best, like, like, flying... Granted, I've not played many, like, air combat games. You guys need to pick up squadrons. It's, uh, it's very good. It's a lot more interesting than just pull up a map of the planets and click on which one you want to go to, which is sort of what I was anticipating. I do have one more complaint. Sometimes you get missions where it's supposed to be like a smuggling run. And one, it's annoying because if you accept the mission, but you don't have a planet unlocked yet, you're just kind of stuck with random cargo behind your ship until (laughs) until you unlock that planet. Uh, And two, you specifically have to take off from wherever you accepted the mission and fly straight to wherever the mission tells you to go. And it has this really long, tedious uh, string of space combat that's separated by you, like, jumping through hyperspace. And, like, a warning will pop up while you're flying through hyperspace. It's just there for a really long time. (laughs) It's got, like, a klaxon blaring, and it goes off, like, 12 times when, like, we got it after the third I'm on the final mission of episode four, and I've had a smuggling mission like that that I accepted like the beginning of episode two and still haven't done. <laughs> so I've just had some little like cargo just behind my ship for past like three hours of the game. I, I feel like generally I don't really have any big complaints. I, I do have several small complaints. <laughs> like there are certainly annoyances, and this game does not get rid of all of the tediousness of other Lego games. But it's a pretty dang good improvement on a lot of other games like it. Something really cool that this game has that very few other Star Wars games have ever had is just like an open world to explore. I don't know how many planets there are. I'm guessing somewhere around 20. 
And each one of those planets has at least, like, one decent-sized map that you can explore and look for collectibles on, and they all feel very alive <laughs> for a LEGO game, which is kind of surprising. A lot of NPCs going about their business, <laughs> and not just to, like, support you getting a collectible. They just actually have, you know, like, they're doing their jobs around the maps, which is interesting. Yeah, and there's very few Star Wars games that just kind of let you explore Coruscant, for example. Or Kashyyyk. Which feels crazy when you think about it, right? Yeah, I mean, like, the only other game that kind of feels like it even has comparable maps, at least that I've played recently, is Knights of the Old Republic. I guess the MMO of the Old Republic is probably relatively similar. Sure. But, like, the fact that even games like Fallen Order, for example... Was that was it Fallen Order? Was yeah. that the... Yeah. Did yeah, like, Order? the fact that... Even that game, which is, you know, one of, like, the bigger and bolder Star Wars games, doesn't really give you anywhere near as much freedom as LEGO Star Wars does. Feels crazy. I think that's a big reason why everybody was really excited for uh, 1313, the Bounty Hunter game that they were, you know, talking yeah. about making forever ago. Was Poor just, Bounty Hunter game. It kind of promised... It promised that level of exploration that no other right. Star Wars game seems to really give. Yeah. And it, it's insane to me that there's not any other Star Wars game where you can just walk around Naboo for 20 minutes and kind of explore the capital city. And, like, I loved the feel of Fallen Order, but I had a lot of issues with, like, the style and the progression and stuff like that. So a game that plays like that but just lets you freely explore... Not even freely explore, but just lets you go to, like, pretty good-sized maps on just, like, several planets, I think would be incredible. And for some reason, they're just not doing that. Fallen Order, I feel like it was trying too hard with its map design to be Dark Souls. Yeah. With the whole, you know, recursive map design that kind of loops in on itself. Yeah. Also made it hard to navigate, and they also didn't do a very good job with the... Uh, like the physical maps themselves that you could look at. <laughs> I think I think going through the maps for the first time in that game were fine, but like anytime you had to go back for something because you didn't have a force ability to get to it yet, like going back was not fun. Yeah. <sighs> Real excited about that sequel though. Well, you know, the final thing I want to get into. Was it fun? Did you guys have a good time with it? Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. For sure. And I will keep playing it. I mean, I don't know that I'll 100% it because this game is enormous. But, like, I've really enjoyed it so far, and I really, really hope that other LEGO games take a lot from this one. I will say, if they're going to do skill trees and, like, this kind of progression in future games, uh, they need to make it more interesting, because for sure. I saw no reason to buy most of the skills um, for the, the specific character types. Yeah, for sure. They're, like, the general skill trees that affect all characters and i think that stuff's all really useful or at least most of it but the individual character type skill trees just kind of felt useless for the most part i bought yeah. all the skills that would give me more money because i wanted to get as much money as possible so i could just i didn't really end up spending the money on anything i did fall into this loop of just uh every time i would buy a new multiplier i was like all right now i need to save up for the next multiplier <laughs> So at the end, I had a lot of money, um, but I had already kind of earmarked it all for the next multiplier. Jackson, did you have fun? I did. The only times that I didn't really have fun with the game is when I just played it for too long, <laughs> which is really the first time I've done that with the video game in a while. Yeah, like, I'd, I'd just, I'd sit there, and I'd play, like, a full, uh, a full movie in one sitting, and then start doing some open world stuff, and I was like, hey, that's way too much of this at once. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, like, yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed most of this game. It does kind of feel like it's meant to be played sort of segmented. Like, I think I was enjoying it the most when I was doing, like, the equivalent of one movie a day, if that. Like, I feel like if you try and... Like, you can definitely knock out multiple movies in one sitting if you really wanted to, but that's just too much. <laughs> Yeah, I was doing about half a movie per sitting, for the most part. Mm. And I, I never felt particularly bored with anything. I didn't do, like, any of the open world stuff. Yeah. Partially because there's one character class that you need for a lot of the puzzles. Um, 
basically, as soon as you unlock any other character, uh, you can use all of their abilities. There's a character class called Scavenger, and you can't use any of their abilities until you either complete... Um, episode it's 6. It's Episode 6 or Episode 7. They both give yeah. you the skills for that character. Uh, I started with the... The prequel trilogy, and then did the original trilogy. So I was six movies deep before I got the, uh, it, before I unlocked an entire class of character. <laughs> so yeah. I just couldn't do most of the stuff, in, or not most of the stuff, but th- there was just a lot of stuff in the open world that I couldn't do, and it kind of dissuaded me from exploring because I didn't just want to run into something I wouldn't be able to do. You know, when you come out of a level, one or two things will happen. It will re- either just be like, okay, now go to the next thing. Or it will be like free play active or whatever, and that means that you you know can run around and explore. You can play as any character, or whatever. Anytime I'd get the free play thing, I would actually do some exploring and knock out some hidden items. But anytime it was just a story stuff, I would just rush to whatever the next objective was without even looking at the environment at all. Yeah, that was I also think- kind of weird. Sometimes you'll be in the open world and you can play as any character, and then other times. You're stuck with whatever the story characters are. And there's not a lot of rhyme or reason to it. Like, it'd be one thing if it was between really important dramatic scenes it didn't let you change, but sometimes it's just, like, between, like, the second and third level of a movie. And it's like, nope, go do the next level. There's also... There are two segments in the original trilogy that are incredibly boring and tedious. Chewbacca needs to repair the Millennium Falcon, so you need to fight wave after wave of enemies while he does that. Yeah. And it's only it only happens twice in Episode Four and Episode Five, and it's literally the least fun I had with the game at any point because like the combat is fun in small doses, but just kind of sitting around fighting enemies for like ten minutes is incredibly boring. Do you guys not? I mean, I we talked a little bit about that, Jordan. You not agree? No, for sure. Like, that is definitely the low point of the game, in my opinion. Basically, there's there's not a whole lot of segments of it, but there are a few times where you have to just, like, kill time until, like, a story objective does its own thing. And that's always... Those are always the low points of the game. But I do think the two points where you're waiting on the Millennium Falcon to get fixed are definitely the worst for it. The boss fights are really fun with the new yeah. Saber yeah. combat. The, uh, the final mission of Episode 3, while... Not as good as the one in the original Lego Star Wars. Still, I'd say so far, one of my favorite levels of the game. Episode 3, just in general, is just really good in this. I think at least three of the levels in it have a uh, a lightsaber duel. It might yeah. be more than... Yeah, actually, at least four, because I forgot the Count Dooku one. But there might be another one in there that I'm just forgetting. Episode 3 had a lot of really good set pieces, um, and that's because they needed to somehow end a trilogy that they had written 14 different storylines into. Yeah, and they decided to end them all with a lightsaber fight. It, uh, it also just had a lot more action than previous Star Wars movies, so it translates to an action-adventure video game a lot better than the other movies. The original trilogy does not translate so well. It's still good, don't get me wrong, but... I will say those really good uh, lightsaber duels that are in the game, um, those are the worst parts to play co-op. Because what they do in a lot of those scenes is literally the person, the co-op partner can't do anything. (laughs) Because like you'll have the two characters that are in a lightsaber duel. um, And there are some times when there'll be, you know, both of your partner, you know, both of your characters during a duel will have lightsabers. So you can both fight the boss. Uh, sometimes it'll be, you know, a person with a lightsaber fighting a person with a lightsaber, and then the other character just has a blaster, and they can't do anything at all. <laughs> it just seems like a really weird decision. Uh, and that episode three at the end is a really good example, because while Obi-Wan and Anakin are fighting, the other players are playing as R2-D2 and C-3PO. And they can... Uh, well, I don't know how to end this sentence, but, uh, you know, the creators of the game didn't know what they could do either. So that's kind of, they can be there. They, they can be there too. I think we're running out of steam here. So this is probably a good <laughs> yeah. time. I feel like we keep finding some random thing to add a little bit more onto, 
but we just we keep going a little too far with it and don't know where to go after. <laughs> Mike Birbiglia has this really good bit. That's how far that's how far gone we are. I'm going to talk about a, a comedian's bit where he's like, every time I call my mom, we have a long conversation. No matter how long it's gone, she's always like, oh, and one more thing. And it's almost never something that's worth being one more thing. <laughs> and I feel like that's just what podcasting with you two is like. I give you I give I give you guys an out and then Jason's like, "Oh, and this one thing in the second level." <laughs> well, it's I'm using specific examples. The things yeah, that I'm complaining about are in they're endemic to the game. Like they're all over sure, the place. Sure. Sure. Like yeah. me complaining about the uh, you know, one character having a lightsaber during a duel and another character having a blaster comes up I believe Many six times. or seven times. This does kind of feel like the first Lego game that's not sort of built around co-op. Yeah. And there's no online co-op, so you're always doing a weird split-screen thing, too. They wanted to bring the camera in closer to the characters, so they dropped the really cool co-op camera that they had in previous Lego games, where if you were close together, it was just one large shared screen, but if you broke off from each other, then it would switch to the co-op split-screen. And that was the best, like... I would honestly probably call that best in class... (laughs) For co-op experience. And then they just didn't do it in this game. You know, the old games were kind of designed to have one area that's just nothing or places you've already been. (laughs) And then the other three walls are where the action is. And this game is definitely a more 3D game. Like, there's stuff going on all around you. Yeah. Even the linear levels still have a lot more openness. Our semi-linear sections that come to mind, like Cloud City especially... Where it, you know, it is a linear level, but like there's definitely an intended path through the level, but everything is kind of connected. So it just end up, ends up being like one really big map. It's kind of neat. Doesn't really feel like there's any reason to go through that map again, though. <laughs> Unless you're doing free play. Jackson, why don't you give us a recap of your time with Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga? My time is I haven't finished half of this game yet. (laughs) But I already really like it. Uh, I think so far, this is probably my game of the year. (laughs) Yeah, that's right, Elden (laughs) Ring. It brings back a strong sense of nostalgia from the original games that I have not felt in a long time because I don't think I've even played the complete saga since, like, maybe, like, 2010. (laughs) And it's just, it's made me realize, like, what made me fall in love with Lego games uh, in the first place, and that was uh, Star Wars. Because <laughs> I've, I've always been a big fan of Star Wars. Mixing that with Legos, something that has also been a part of my entire life, is just really special to me. And even with the few hiccups this game has, I, I'm really glad to see it return. Jason, how you feeling? I feel like I really, uh kind of aired all of my my major complaints with the game out while we were talking. Like, I really enjoyed the game. I have minor gripes. I did... I completed all the story content. I didn't do, like, all the side missions or 100% get all of the the kyber bricks or anything like that. But I did at least play through all nine movies. And I thought that they were all pretty fun. I mean, even the bad movies are still, like, fun to play through because the levels are well-designed. Like, everything's kind of fun. It definitely feels like keeping keeping things interesting was the main focus whenever they were kind of backed into a corner by bad writing of the movies. Definitely a lot of fun. I would recommend this game to anybody that likes um, Star Wars or Lego games. Or just, you know, action-adventure games in general. If you haven't played a Lego game, this is probably a good one to start with. If you haven't played a Star Wars game... I mean, if you've if you haven't seen the Star Wars movies, I would probably recommend seeing at least some of those before playing this game. Otherwise, this game is just going to be really weird. Just a weird kind of off-kilter retelling of a bunch of movies you haven't seen. Does it make Episode Nine good? I have not got to Episode Nine yet. It does make Episode Nine good because there are two lightsaber fights. (laughs) You don't get to play the cool fight between uh, Luke Skywalker and Kylo Ren on crate. The heck? And for that reason, I'm out. Jordan, how about you? (laughs) Like you said, Jason, we have talked about a lot of gripes with this game, 
But I still think in a lot of ways, this is sort of the gold standard for how you revitalize a series. Because this game still looks and feels like the original, and it's great for that. But it doesn't sort of shackle itself to the original in terms of what it can be. Like, this game is huge. Bigger than any LEGO game before it. But it's still good, like, all the way through. There are certainly, you know, some individual unlockables that don't feel worth it. But for the most part, getting out and exploring every map is cool. And every single level in the game is at least pretty good, except for the really long William Falcon ones. But I, I think that this sort of shows that you can really, you can revive a series and keep what's good about it, but still evolve. Because I think a lot of people, when they want a remake or a reboot or whatever, they basically want the same thing again. <laughs> and this shows that you can do the same thing again, but still offer something else in the process. I was really impressed with how well this game walks a lot of lines like that. So if you like the original ones, I think you'll like these. And if you really, really like Lego and or Star Wars, but you're not much of a gamer, I still recommend giving it a shot because I think it's approachable enough and has so much to offer that even people that don't play a ton of video games will still find a lot to like here. Oh, and yeah, I guess one more small thing to close with is uh, the game looks incredible. Yeah. Like, this is really the LEGO game that definitely captures, like, the LEGO aesthetic. A lot of love went into the the modeling in this game. It's time to pull the plug. Jackson, what else have you been into? Last week, Jason talked about Blade Runner 2049. So this week... I'm bringing out the original Blade Runner. Blade Runner 2050. <laughs> yeah. Blade Runner 2077. Yeah, so I watched the original Blade Runner with good old Harrison Ford. I'm still figuring out how I feel about this movie. Because there's a lot of stuff that has issues. But I think some of that stuff is also made better like watching it a second time. I haven't done that yet because I just finished it earlier today, but one day I'll do that. I like of the things that you had uh, brought up to talk about for pulling the plug. You were like, I'm going to do the one that I haven't decided how I feel about yet. Look, Blade Runner has a lot to offer. Yeah. A lot to think about. Like, there was a lot I liked about it. Like, I really like the world itself. The, I don't know if lore or history is the right term behind it just how that world got to where it is and like started the events of the movie like i really like all that stuff um it's mostly pioneer of the the cyberpunk aesthetic (laughs) which it's see it's again interesting that i like this because i tend not to really like cyberpunk stuff very much but i liked a lot of the cyberpunk stuff of this movie so I just it's just something I found very interesting while watching through it because I'm not really sure what else to say. Yeah, it's a good movie. I really enjoyed. I mean, I talked about the sequel last week for a reason. It's because uh, it's a it's a franchise I really like. I would probably consider Ridley Scott to be one of my favorite directors, just really on the merit of Blade Runner and Alien alone, <laughs> like which are both like two of my favorite movies of all time. See, anybody that hasn't seen Blade Runner. I gotta recommend it to you. I mean, it's a classic for a reason. But I do have to... (laughs) I would personally recommend checking out the final cut because the original cut has this really annoying voiceover (laughs) where Harrison Ford explains what's happening in every single scene and that's it's just so dumb. Now, me personally, this week, I... In my spare time between playing LEGO Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, I was also playing Metal Gear Solid. And... Honestly, if you, I, I still don't like the way that it looks. It, it definitely looks and in some places feels like a game from 1997, 1998. But honestly, like the atmosphere and like the moment to moment gameplay is so good. It's probably, it's the most fun that I've had with the cutscenes of a game before. <laughs> <laughs> 
Because just like everything about Metal Gear is just so over the top. And it's really cool to go back to like where it all started. Um, because like I've always kind of considered myself to be a fan of Kojima. But I honestly haven't played that much of his work beyond like Zone of the Enders and most of Death Stranding. So, I didn't know anything to do with Zone of the Enders. Yeah. Huh. Also made Police Knots. Never even heard of that one. <laughs> Let me check. Uh, I know that he's involved with Zone of the Enders. He he created it. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I had no idea. Dude, every, it's like everything he makes is just so wild and crazy. And it's insanely out there. And it's all like so much fun to sit through. It kind of feels, at least Metal Gear Solid, feels like playing through a Bond movie. If the Bond movie was the most insane thing that Bond had ever done before. <laughs> like, just straight up having a boss where the whole the whole idea behind the boss is that he can read your mind. And the only way you can get around it is moving your controller cable to the next port. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> it's very good. I really enjoy it. I, I don't honestly have that much to say about it that hasn't either already been said by a million other people or gets into like weird spoilers with the game. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm going to play through like the whole series is my plan uh, because I just played through the first one. I started up the second one because uh, you can still buy like the HD collection for PlayStation and Xbox. Still really annoyed the only way to even play the fourth game is on a PS3. So I'm going to have to get that back from Jackson and then dust off my copy of Metal Gear Solid 4 to play that. That's going to suck because we've come a long way since PS3 controllers, guys. I didn't mind the PS3 controller when they were new. Um, Like, honestly, I, I didn't think it was that much worse than an Xbox 360 controller. But after using, like, a PlayStation 4 remote... PlayStation 5 remote or, you know, the the Xbox 360 and the Xbox One controllers, like, night and day. Those controllers are just so awful and cheap. And I don't know, it feels like the buttons just actuate really poorly. <laughs> I haven't, I probably haven't held one since before the PS4 came out. So. Well, that's all I really wanted to get into. Uh, Jordan, what have you been up to? Well, I'll make this one kind of quick, but I've actually been into, like, a lot of stuff, so I have, like, the next several pulling the plug segments figured out, y'all, which is wild, because normally I'm scrambling, <laughs> but but I want to talk about an album by an artist I actually didn't really get into until right before this, this album came out. Uh, there is a singer named Lizzie McAlpine who is a sort of, like, it's it's a weird it's a weird genre to pin down. It has some like bluesy, folksy kind of stuff, but and some like very dark material that she's like inspired by and that like she kind of quotes and references, but it still has like a very modern poppy kind of vibe to it, which I'm beginning to realize that that's sort of my genre like pop mixed with the genre that doesn't sound like it should go well with pop <laughs> which feels sad because that's the type of genre that uh me from several years ago would bully me for listening to <laughs> but it's uh she just put out her a new album called five seconds flat and it's real good y'all it's got a pretty wide pretty wide range of of styles and sort of almost entirely different genres within the album and it uh, <laughs> I, I have a really hard time talking about music because I want to talk about it from the perspective of, you, of a musician, and that's not interesting. <laughs> but just she's a very talented singer, and I don't know how much of the music she plays, but there are very talented musicians on this album. And if you appreciate very poetic music or music with a lot of personality in its in its lyrics i i think that you will like lizzie mcalpine's music even if it's not necessarily a genre you normally would resonate with so you should check it out it's five seconds flat if i had to recommend a single track it would be the last song on the album which is called the orange show speedway 
very, very good. You should listen to it, even if you're not going to listen to the whole album. And if I had to recommend a single trap, it would be What Dreams Are Made Of. Like from, is that High School Musical? No, it's from the, from, from the Lizzie McGuire movie. Oh, okay. I knew it was Disney, but I couldn't See, I was making together. a joke. Yeah. Let me yeah. read you an excerpt from it. Every time that you said uh, her name, I kept thinking of Lizzie McGuire, and I couldn't remember what that was, or if I was just making something up in my head and didn't know it. Hey now, hey now, this is what dreams are made of. Hey now, hey now, this is what dreams are made of. <laughs> yeah, when, when Lizzie McGuire said, hey now, hey now. This is what dreams are made of. I felt it. <laughs> well, I think that just about does it for another episode of the Totally Biased Media Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, there are several ways you can do that. First, on Twitter, at TBMcast. Second, on Instagram, at Totally Biased Media. Third, we are on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Totally Biased Media. We try to stream at least least once every other week we also have a youtube page yes we are now on youtube our tbm presents in their their full visual format (laughs) yeah that way you can see a lot of the visual gags which we got into a lot on the last episode so i apologize if you only saw the or only listened to the podcast version when we talk about a weird costume that batman wore once in the 70s You'll, you'll you be able to, to see, see it, it instead of having to just imagine it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> and uh, if you would like to reach out to us with your reviews or suggestions for the shows or really anything you want to tell us, you can send that to totallybiasedmedia at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We will try and engage with you however we reasonably can. Yeah, if you liked this episode, leave a, leave a review. If you didn't like it, we recorded it on a Monday. Give us a pass, please. <laughs> we recorded it on a Monday, the day after a major holiday. You can't expect much. And if you're listening to our podcast, you probably weren't anyway. <laughs> but for the Totally Biased Media Podcast, I'm Jordan Walkup. I'm Jason Simmons. I'm Jackson Walkup. You just felt the bias. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye.